Hey, this is Tony Ruggiero. Thanks for listening to the Tour Coach here, wherever you get your podcasts, as well as, you know, on the radio, WNSP in Mobile, Alabama. The next few Tour Coaches that come at you are going to be a little bit different in the fact that uh, last week at the PGA Show in Orlando, Florida, we hosted a cocktail party, kind of got back to doing this. We used to do this back in the day, uh, but somewhere around COVID or so, we kind of slowed down and quit doing it. But we hosted some of our friends, some of the great instructors, some of the best minds from around the instruction world. We all got together at Cuba Libre Bar and Restaurant right there on International Drive near the Convention Center, and it was an epic night. But what we did is we set up a little booth at the back, and myself, but in particular Jackson Court, one by one, brought some of these minds to the back, sat down, and had a little 10-, 15-minute conversation. And now my producer, one of the good dudes here helping us keep all this stuff going out, Clint Crouch, has put these together to roll these out over the next few Tour Coach episodes. So what you're about to hear is myself or Jackson Court sitting down with some of our friends, some of our guests, and taking an inside look at the instruction world, the golf world, what goes on at the PGA show, and Everything to help you play better golf, teach better golf, or enjoy the game, as always, is here for you on the Tour Coach. So I hope you like the behind-the-scenes look and some of the conversations that happened at the Tour Coach Pro Work Dew Sweepers Cocktail Party at the PGA Show. I think you'll enjoy it. We got a Hall of Fame lineup tonight. I'm privileged to be sitting next to Alex Clapp, who... We go way back to the college days. We do, mate. We yep. do. I appreciate you. And I was just talking to Andy Hess. Okay. He played at um, Northwood down yep. in West Palm. Yeah. And we were talking about you. Right. I was coming to see you. And I was like, Alex had this drink in college, and I swear it was like Jaeger and lemonade, but it tasted just like Coca-Cola. There you go. Is that the drink? No, it was Amaretto and Coke. Amaretto That's and exactly so what it was. So it tastes like Coke. Okay. It tastes like cola balls. Man, it was incredible. Absolutely. Incredible. And I remember you would have a couple more than me, and you'd show up to the range feeling a lot better than Yeah, me. but then you would turn up with the rumple, and then you would turn <laughs> sour pretty quickly. Yeah. All right. So, first of all, appreciate you helping me with some of the no, social no. media and online stuff, because that's not my strength. and. Appreciate it, yeah. You know, being a, a young instructor, there's a bunch of different ways you can go. Absolutely. In Absolutely. This career. And, and, yeah, um, for sure. I'm privileged to have had Tony and Wayne and Mark Heck and all these guys around him help groom me. And then obviously you've been an influence with me on that side of so Yeah, yeah. For sure. No, thank you. Thanks for the props. It's obviously still an area in which I need to improve. So that's going to be another yeah. conversation. Another from conversation here. for later. Absolutely. But um, I think where I want to open up the conversation is just you sharing a little bit about your story. Just yeah. Give us a quick intro yeah. and then talk about what you do with a lot of your online coaching yeah, yeah, in person, maybe some of the differences and the benefits there. Yeah. Yeah. So uh, as Jackson alluded to, I played college golf with Jackson. We, I was at uh, Bethune Cookman. He was at Emory Riddle, which was down the road in Daytona. And finished for four years, went back home, played a little bit at, at college. And then when I went back home, I turned pro. Tried to play for six months, but always really knew that I was a bit of a coach. Every time anyone would ask me to look at their swing, even at college, I would have a look at it and things like that. I remember that. Yeah. You yelled at me. I will never forget this. We were at the range on LPJ. I was filming somebody swing. And you were halfway down the range, and you yelled, that's the wrong angle. That's the one. You know. And Camera I, angles are important. And I am a stickler for them. You are stuff. now. 
You are now. Um, so, yeah, as Jackson said there, I mean, we we known each other for years and, and went home. I always kind of knew I was a coach, and I found myself being a coach a lot of the time. We go to tour events and stuff. We go to Bay Hill often, obviously, because we were in Daytona. It was only like an hour at the road. All the guys were like, let's go on the course. Let's see what they do. And it's good to see guys on the course. But I wanted to sit on the driving range and watch them hit golf balls and, and watch how their swings work and watch more so for me which which heavily influenced the way that i teach today was i was able to watch their patterns and how what you would class as if we're going to call it this a funky golf swing right or a funky grit related to them producing a really functional ball flight mm. so i i always had that in me i always wanted to figure out why something worked and nowadays they call it mashups as you know a bit of a buzzword in, in the world today and then I started coaching I got lucky along the way as we all do um, I help a couple of challenge tour players back home and a couple of kind of corn ferry players over here college guys I'm really big into helping the college guys because I've experienced it I feel like I can offer a, quite a lot to players in that respect yes and there. just started teaching and, and when I started teaching I, I transitioned into online instruction through covid yep so i do a hell of a lot online i actually helped a, i was helping a european tour guy at the time he had some good finishes which again is as we know in this business you've got to get lucky and you you kind of grow from there if it's consistent it's not luck correct yeah i i, I agree with that really agree with that i do i think i think you make your own luck yeah. for sure so, so go on so what are the benefits of doing online instruction from a coaching standpoint and from a player yep. standpoint give me those two just the accessibility more than anything I mean I I teach on Skillist and, and I have subscribers and maybe two of them are England two of them are from England mm-hmm. right the rest of my subscribers are made up from the United States they've made up from New Zealand some in all over Europe Norway things like that and so accessibility on your end and their end yeah absolutely okay really really elaborative in in the sense that yes both ends i, I want to really kind of emphasize that it is both ends how accessible it is mm-hmm. um you know as long as they have some idea for what their ball flight's doing i i can happily accept balls that are hit into a net yeah you know they have an idea of ball flight and they know what strike location is and things like that i'm all for it and and do you think with your the players online obviously because of your dedication and, and we've talked about this previously in years yeah. past about how you structure your schedule absolutely which is critical and i'm not very good at that mm. but you've got a lot of other stuff going on yeah but so in your structure yeah you're able to create a relationship with those players virtually yeah because i think a lot of maybe hesitation towards doing some of that for players is maybe that aspect of it but when you find a quality coach like yourself that's an aspect that's yeah, very much so. I mean, because the, the relationships that we build with a, a person, like an in-person yeah, lesson, yeah. it's kind of easy. Yeah, you got them for an hour, but it's also a challenge when they leave because they're going to spend more time. You've also got to really, really understand that for somebody to come and get a lesson in person, it's a really intimidating kind of atmosphere. Interesting. Right? Yeah. If you get, I mean. Even tour pros or, or any type of pro, if they come and sit in front of you, they're embarrassed. If they've got something going on, not, not necessarily embarrassed, sorry, intimidated. Because... You're vulnerable because that might not be perfect. Yeah, how many times... I mean, I bet you ask every golf pro in here and everywhere around the world, 
If you ask them how many times did you have a student turn up for a lesson and say, oh, I'm just really nervous at the moment, it's almost simulating what they're going to do on the golf course, right? Correct. Which is good, yep. right? Which is good to see. But also, I think the online aspect takes away that intimidating factor. They can walk down in their basement and film a couple of videos hitting into a driving net. Give me an idea on strike, flight. Let me understand how your body works. Let me understand, you know, tendencies, patterns. And, and you'll, you'll end up getting somewhere with it. You'll, you'll start to see really, really big improvements with players of, of all skill levels. I've got, I've got pros on this, and I've also got beginners on it. And, and something that's really good is I, I wouldn't think it would ever happen, but I had like a 70-year-old retired lady that just likes to play for fun that was sending me single lessons the other day awesome. from Florida, it's right? And, and you think that for her might be such a less intimidating place to be in than going and seeing somebody in person. And so it has that feel to it that really, really helps helps golfers. You know, I, I heard a really, really interesting fact the other day, right? So there's 4,000 coaches in England, right? But there's 2.2 million people that play golf, Whoa. right? And that's England. That's not even looking at the United States, right. right? So if we're looking at those type of figures, there's plenty enough to go around. And that's why I'm able to pick up people in America because although there's thousands and thousands of, upon thousands of coaches 50 of them feel that it's more accessible to just come and send me a video from their basement that's awesome so I'm going to go back and touch on one thing that you brought up because Tony talks about a lot Wayne has hammered this into me is like the, the process of learning in a golf lesson right Tony's big on obviously doing movement patterns like he's got his pivot back to you yep. so he's got bands and they're doing motions without a club without a ball so that they can develop a feel yep. right and then you take that and maybe you do it with a club without a ball at slow speeds yes i'm that is right and i think like what you're saying with that accessibility of a guy walking down to his basement and hitting a couple of golf yep. balls there's there's a lot of merit there to having that student or that client be able to hit balls into a net focusing right. on something and not actually maybe seeing where the correct ball goes. I, I mean i think some of the most impressive swing changes come from hitting into a net because they're not obsessed with and I know it's a game where we're, we need to understand where the ball's going but if you're trying to change somebody's movement pattern and take them away from let's do things without a club I'm big into this as well this type of thing doing things without a club with bands and stretching and movement patterns watching yourself and then gen, you know moving on to let's do it really slow let's do some freezers let's pause at the top and then let's kind of start moving it into full swing. I think you can also get them to understand how easy it is to transition between those stages. Whereas you get somebody in person for a lesson, and if they're spending, and, and this is why I really don't agree with half-hour lessons, is you can't get nothing done in half-hour. Nothing. And if you have, then you've not necessarily done it right. Or half-hour lessons are good if you've seen somebody for years and years and years and they just want a quick touch-up. It's awesome. It's really cool to see how you having great success with online coaching. Appreciate it. And also great success with in-person coaching. And maybe how you're able to take a couple pieces from each aspect Correct. and help Correct. the person that you're seeing and then also help the person yeah. that you're seeing through a screen. Absolutely. And using that as a catalyst, not only for yourself and your career, but also for each person. Because like 
we were talking about it earlier with, with Kevin Sprecher yeah. and about coaching the individual person, right? And, and also Dr. Scott Lynn with his swing cabinet stuff, yeah. coaching the individual person. It's awesome to see how elite coaches like we're surrounded with today, including yourself here with me. And yourself. Like, I don't know about that. But <laughs> like being able to, to learn those things because obviously, yeah, our job may be to, to make your swing look pretty but get you to play better golf whether you're in person or your way. So I want to wrap this up. I think I got one thing first. Give me like a one-minute rundown of what you coach, maybe swing-wise and also like your coaching style. Swing-wise, if you're going to talk swing-wise, I'm just really into the human, okay. understanding the human, how they move, how their body works, how you can adapt patterns around what they do. Okay. Right? There's clearly, uh, for me, there's clearly a lot of things that you can do with amateurs that will make them better pretty fast. I'm, I like a lot of kind of depth because it helps them rotate and, and things. But in terms of you have to understand the human. Like I'm really big into, I had somebody in the other day and he come in and I said, do you work at a computer desk all day? And he said, yes, how did you know that? And it's because he'd, he'd come in, his right arm was way on top. He was aiming obviously way left. Things were shifting to left. Posture was terrible. And again, understanding the human. When you, when you really understand that human aspect, yeah, there's, like we say, there's, there's always things that we have preferences on that we can move players towards. And I will always agree with that. But I think every golfer has their own unique pattern. We're all one of one. And we all need to understand that we need to coach what's in front of us and not what's going to make it look pretty. We need to make the ball flight look pretty. The, the best phrase that I kind of ever feel like I've said is when we go to tour events, we don't watch players' golf swings. We listen to the strike and we watch the ball flight. Yeah. And we're like, whoa. Their eyes don't just stay fixed on the player after their swing. They follow the ball flight and they follow what it does. But they all do it different, every single one of them. That's awesome. So if somebody's listening to this and they want to find out more about Alex Clapp, how do yeah. they do that? Um, follow me. I'm Alex Clapp Golf on all instructional platforms, www.alexclappgolf.com. And reach out, please. I'm always there to help anyone, anytime. So just please send me a message. I can help. Whether you're in person? In person or, or anywhere skills. from the back end, of, back end of nowhere, I'll help you out. I love it. Well, Alex, thanks for sitting in. Thanks and for having me, Jack. Also, appreciate it. Thank you for helping me. No, mate, appreciate it. We've got much more to go. That's right. Cheers, buddy. I just want to remind everybody something that I forgot. Uh, recently, a couple weeks ago, my wife and I went out. We went to a wedding, and afterwards, with some friends, we were like, hey, where's a great place to go? I'll be honest. Like In my travels and day-to-day, sometimes I get caught up, and I forget some of the great places right around the corner. But i got to remind you about the Ice Box Bar on 755 Monroe Street. I know with uh, Mardi Gras and all that stuff, it's going to be packed. But I was blown away by just the whole vibe, the atmosphere, and with the velvet pig, the food in the back room, and the big screen TVs up front. I was blown away by the atmosphere, the vibe, and just how cool it was to have the Icebox Bar right here near the Dew Sweepers downtown. So look, when you're out Mardi Gras or you're looking for a great place to go sit, watch some games, hang out, play some pool, you got to go to the Icebox Bar right there on Monroe Street. There's a good chance you'll see all of us hanging out, especially during Mardi Gras. But do yourself a favor. Go visit the Icebox. It's one of the best places out there. I'm pumped for this one. You know, I keep saying this. I get a bunch of... I'm so privileged to be around all these guys. And now I got a good one. It's... Oh, so much. 
So there's many a nights when I'm sitting there on my phone and I rip through Brian Manzella's Instagram. And I want to pre- I want to thank you for your information. Appreciate your, that. Your dedication to the craft and also your delivery of the information because I think that's critical. Appreciate it. No, I I try and I've gotten a lot better at it. Your practice makes, you know, better. I don't know about perfect, but and and uh it's uh it's it's great to be on the show. Yeah. So I'm going to just wind you up and let you go because I love listening to you. So you've got a little tool next to you. Give me just a quick one-minute burn down of that, and then let's get on to some hot topics. Yeah, so, so I've been walking around uh, Orlando here uh, at a couple of restaurants with a uh, TaylorMade 7-iron <laughs> with a foam airplane taped up to it precisely. Uh, a certain way, the wings perpendicular to the club face with some sticks stuck in it and color-coded with about, oh, I don't know, 500 pieces of... Which uh, you can see on your Instagram or your social, yes, media, social yeah. media. And it, this is the better one than the one I use there. It's the Jacobs 3D convention of kinetics that basically when you're trying to figure out whether somebody's forcing it a certain way or talking it a certain way, we have the software that the USGA commissioned that Stephen Nesbitt wrote and Michael Jacobs hired him a couple of years ago, but we've been working with him for eight years, and now Jacobs 3D is a very mature, very developed kinetics program that's helped me tremendously and helped Michael in his work with Patrick Harrington to keep the club head speed up and, and uh, keep him really believing that he can you know, still win on, on, a, on a regular event. So um, uh, it's been a lot of fun. And, and also a challenge because anytime you're you're bringing anything to the industry that you're the only person with mm-hmm. so the, 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 you know the contention of you know how we do it versus how other people try to do it it winds up the best analogy that I could give folks listening that they would maybe be able to understand is it's it's like being the only person in the world with trackman. I remember when TrackMan came out and people would argue with Frederick Tuxen at the merchandise show for two hours. How did that go, right? <laughs> TrackMan, I couldn't even get in to see the I.O. at the show because there were so many people in the booth. I hope, the, hope it winds down a little bit and I can get to see it because I'm thinking about getting one for my studio. But if you had the only TrackMan, what would be the only thing that your competitors could do to try to hold you down? Either... Find somebody else to rip that off and make their own radar device to do what you're doing, or and or poo poo yours. <laughs> that's it, and that's what people have been done to us in the industry. But not that many. Or me and Jacobs wouldn't have finished eight and thirteenth on the on the on the last top fifty vote for Golf Digest because folks like yourself see the. You know, I'm the director of instruction. My job is to come up with like basic stuff based on gears information to show people what's really happening in the swing and throw a little kinetics in and uh it's been a lot of fun and i'm glad you enjoy them i I love it so let's go on to some of the hot topics it was pretty hot you know the the big thing right now this week i think more than anything else i've seen at the show or any of the other meetings i've been to or talks with people in the vestibules was the open forum uh, presentation where uh, 
John Sinclair was doing basically the 3D, and uh, Frederick Tuxin was talking about it from Trackman's end. But basically, Joe Mayo has gotten pretty well known in the last year for making an adjustment in Victor Hovland's short game that is pretty dramatically different than what I'd say the standard pitch being taught on tour and the standard pitch being taught by high-end teachers to people off the tour. Okay. Competitive golfers all the way down to trying to break 100 for the first time. And, and, and if you don't know what that is, it's a very steep angle of attack, 10 degrees, and a very straight line movement of the club head away from the ball up and down. Like if you were doing it up against a wall that was in front of you, the club head would stay very close to the wall, way closer, let's say, than somebody like Jason Day, who's teacher Chris Como here tonight. So, or Steve Stricker, is an example of two guys who have pitched the ball good for a million years. So, Joe made the point that he believes, in his mind, that a very, very direct, steep angle of attack would help almost anybody hit more solid shots around the greens. And basically I don't believe that because I've been doing this for 41 years and I've I've even given short game lessons to David Toms. Well, one time David was really struggling with a short game right before he teed off on a, I think it was like a Wednesday pro-am. Just never seen him do anything like it, right? He's just always been phenomenal around the greens and basically, you know, feel like that was a little more inside out. I feel like that was a little higher in the face. You know, that's the kind of stuff I would tell him. But this day, he was he was missing it. And he, just, he might have double hit one or almost, and he fatted one. He looked at me like, what the hell is that, right? Because, you know, be like Jessica Alba looking at herself in the mirror and, and not seeing beauty. <laughs> sure, it's happened. Probably it was a really bad day. But anyway, he looked at me, and that's your job when you're a teacher, especially when you're out on tour. You better have something. So I said, uh, well, David, why don't you try to do this? Try, try, to, try to sort of cup it a little bit and cock it earlier and then, you know, throw it down there, you know, make contact and cock it up and cup it on the other side. So to do the same thing on both sides. Okay. And he said, like this, and he did it. And it was not really, I didn't do a good job explaining it, so I did it again. And he understood it. And he did a perfect little practice motion. I said, yeah, do that. He one-hopped it into the pin six inches from the hole. The next one hopped over that ball into the hole. He said, man, that was pretty good, meaning what I told him was pretty good. And I couldn't take credit. I said, David, I just taught you what I've been watching you do for 30 years. (laughs) That's just what you do when you hit it good. So, you know, even that shot was probably no more than six degrees down, not ten, right? So, uh Obviously, growing up and teaching in New Orleans, and I, I was in Louisville for 10 years, so, you know, they're different grass up there. At English turn, behind the 6th green, 7th green, ninth green, 10th green, and 11th green, <laughs> if you're pitching into that Bermuda grain in the middle of the summer, and you, I don't care what your angle of attack is, 1 or 11, if you hit a quarter inch behind the ball, you're probably going to chip twice. You're going to chip it. It's not going to make the green. Then you're going to chip it again. So it's my contention that if you taught most people 
an action that scraped the ground for a longer period of time that you could put, let's say, uh, something that would be even lighter than a than a foam ball, right? Even lighter, like like uh, let's say Gillette foamy, right? And you just if you put four Gillette foamy balls of 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 foam, you know, shaving cream, and you took one of those balls and slipped and slipped a real ball in one of those four balls. And Jason Day sat up, sat sat up, sat up to any of them. The ball that you put underneath the foam would be still hit. So that obviously, to me, that kind of action, that's sort of scrape the ground action, is probably best for most people. But I've seen a lot of people try to hit a pitch shot without setting the wrist at all on the backswing, and then that's just one little yip away from hitting up on it. Right, so. The people listening to this, I, I, I think you should try a shot the way that Victor Hovland hits this shot, which is basically set up normal, move in front of it a little bit with your upper body on the backswing, move more in front of it and start turning your chest on the downswing and try to hit straight down as much as you can and then pick the club back up before it just goes right into, you know, Mother Earth and see how that shot is because you should be able to play that shot if you consider yourself a well-rounded golfer. That's right. And then try to hit a few of those shots I described where four different golf balls could get hit and knocked on the green. And I bet you probably come up with something for your vanilla shot somewhere in the middle. Well said. Now, Joe didn't agree with that, and it got kind of heated, but that's another story for another. <laughs> but I think, I think that's a great depiction of creating an understanding of the guardrails to stay between and how it could apply to you to improve your short game because, like you said, to be a well-rounded pitch shot player. And I think there are, you know, if, if you're a 30 handicap listening to this, it's probably better for you to get good at one of those models in which the environment that you play in fits compared to somebody that's a college player trying to develop their short game to take it to the PJ Tour. Would you agree with that or no? Yes. And spin is not the only way to stop the ball. Uh. Two of the best short game practitioners of all time. One was not, they were both champions, golfers, and one taught the other one. So the the technique was pretty similar, but developed still by the second guy. Paul Runyon and Phil Rogers. And I've seen them both live. They're both not with us anymore. And it was their idea that to have not a lot of spin to have more predictability. Now, that was when Tour Greens was seven, <laughs> and they were probably softer than today's modern greens. But I don't think there's any doubt in my mind that if you went and got Phil Rogers and Paul Runyon and borrowed them from the man upstairs, I don't think they would have any problem putting on a hell of a short game exhibition for the, for the you know, pros here in Orlando with technique Nothing like anybody's using now, but we're really effective. And You know, the thing about the short game is you've got one thing you don't have to worry about. Anybody has enough power <laughs> to hit a 30-yard shot. I'm talking anybody. anybody. I mean, like a three-year-old. Can, I mean, there are plenty of three-year-olds that can hit it way further than 30 yards. So what you're trying to do is find 
predictable contact, predictable carry, because that's the short game shot. You're not going to fly the ball in a hole. The short game is where do I want to land it? What club do I need? What loft do I need? What spin do I need? So if I land it there, it hopefully rolls out right by the hole and I tap it in. And there are infinite ways to do literally infinite. Because I can hit really good lob shots with a three iron. You give me a blade three iron. Mizuno just came out with a new club that's just like their old MS4, you know, MP14s. I promise you, I get on my one knee and lob the crud out of that three iron. So nobody's teaching you to buy a three iron from Mizuno and get on one knee and hit a lob shot. But I could land it 15 yards and it would stop dead right there. So anything from that three iron off of one knee all the way to a Paul Runyon lob shot or a Phil Rogers loop lob shot they taught Jack Nicholas and Nicholas won his last major doing, I think is one of those things where experimentation, if you're not good at it, is probably a really good thing. And 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 I, I would try that that one shot and try all the other ones as well. And don't hesitate to try different wedges. If you go to the Titleist booth here in Orlando at the PGA show, <laughs> if there's a display with every wedge they sell that's not custom order, it's like 60. <laughs> you know, between 46 degrees and 62 degrees with all the different grinds and all the different bounces. And then, and then you got, you know, all the different, maybe your lie angle changes and grip size and shaft. So there's a, there's a lot of ways to do it. And uh, I've learned a lot of short game technique from watching good players and literally an awful lot from just going out when I'm bored and dumping 60 or 70 balls around a short game green and just trying to get them all up and down. I love that. Well, to wrap this up, I want to thank you for your time again and your information and sharing it. If uh, somebody's out there and wants to find out more about you and your information, where are they going? Yeah, uh, so on social, whether it's uh, Instagram or um, Twitter, it's at Brian Manzella, one word, and then you can join me and Michael Jacobs' and learn more about the airplane uh, Facebook group. We've got about 5,000 members called Postmodern Golf, and then my website's brianmanzellagolf.com. Great being on the show. Enjoy the hell out of it. I hope you enjoyed this edition of The Tour Coach and this conversation that we brought to you about playing, learning, and teaching the game of golf. We'll be back next week with another edition of The Tour Coach. In between now and next week, make sure you follow us on our social channels. You can always find me at The Dew Sweeper on Instagram or go to our YouTube page where you'll see a scene and a video from my teachings daily on our YouTube channel. You can find that by looking up Tony Ruggiero and The Dew Sweepers on YouTube. Until then, make sure you follow and check out Everything Tour Coach and all our sponsors, Trixon Cleveland Golf, Bushnell, Vineyard Vines, and Buick GMC. I'll be back next week to help all of us appreciate, learn, and enjoy the game of golf. Hi, this is Tony Ruggiero. And look, recently, several teachers I know and several players have had some scares with skin cancer. In fact, I recently went and saw a dermatologist here in town, and I had a couple things frozen off, eyelid, my face, my earlobe, and not getting any younger. And I know I know it's getting to that time of the season where it's cooler, but look, being in the sun is a real deal, and I've not been very good, to be totally honest, my whole career at using it at all because I didn't like how greasy it was. 
how hard it was to get off your hands, how it clogged up my pores. And then I found this sunscreen, Visor Skin Care. It's clear. It goes on. It doesn't dry you out. It isn't greasy. It's like you didn't put anything on. By far, it's the best sunscreen I've ever used. Without a doubt, is the easiest to use. And we've got a discount code for all of you. All you have to do is go to VisorSkinCare.com. Is use our code word, Dewsweeper. VisorSkinCare.com, code word, Dewsweeper. 